right. Well, good afternoon. My name is Ashley Catherine, and I'm your Vice President of Professional Development. That's for my second year, and more importantly, my second round of ethics month. Uh, today, I have Anthony D'Angelo here. He is the 2018 National Chair of PRSA, a professor of practice and public relations at Syracuse University, also director of their Executive Master's Program in Communications Management. Um, he has provided more than 25 years of service in the corporate and agency sectors, including practice areas such as change management, reputation management, branding, and marketing communications. And on top of that, he contributes regularly to media outlets such as the Wall Street Journal's Crisis of the Week column. And if he hasn't already got a tax schedule enough, he's graciously set aside some time today to chat about ethics. So thank you so much for being here, and welcome. Thanks very much. I'm happy to talk about ethics anytime. It's really important. So to start, please tell us about your role in PRSA and why did you join PRSA and what makes it stand out from other professional organizations? Well, I joined PRSA um, for two uh, really important reasons, and I know from research into PRSA that they are the reasons that most people join it. And there are two fundamental things that attract people to PRSA. One of them is professional development in the way of seminars and workshops and other learning opportunities, and the other is networking uh, with people throughout the profession. Um, that's why I joined. I realized those benefits through the years in volunteering in PRSA on various capacities, and it's the sort of organization that, uh, as a fellow volunteer of mine said it, you, you have to be in it to win it. You have to invest your time, and you get disproportionately strong returns for that investment of time. You really do learn through the professional development programs, and the networking opportunities um, have introduced me to literally hundreds of people in the field, not only uh, in the United States but in other countries as well. So I think it is the, um, it's the largest communications association in the United States. There are almost 22,000 professional members and nearly 11,000 students. So it's the big tent um, that pulls people together who are connected in communications um, professions of various types. And um, I think that's what you know really makes it stand out and the PD, professional development and networking benefits that held true for me when I first joined um, still hold true today. Very good. And speaking of professional development, I know another benefit that members talk about is the fact that we have a PRSA code of ethics, and that kind of leads with our professional development and how we are leaders in the industry. So could you tell me what does the PRSA code of ethics mean to you personally, and what do you think it means for professionals in the industry? I, the PRSA Code of Ethics is the foundation of everything that I do as a public relations professional. I think it is you know, absolutely essential to the way that I conduct myself and the way that I um, approach every single professional initiative that, that I have. I have to have that ethical foundation in order to build trust. Um, our agents, our uh, profession itself is predicated on building trust on the, uh, with the publics on whom our success or failure depends. And that is done through consistently adhering um, to, uh, to an established code of ethics, which we have. And without that, um, 
you will ultimately have a problem in your field. So I really do look to the PRSA Code of Ethics, and there are other codes of ethics for communications professionals as well uh, that, that we can talk about. And I think it's absolutely essential to subscribe to one of those established codes, to pay attention mm-hmm. to um, the uh, the thought leadership that various professionals bring to those codes to educate people to, about what to do in, in various situations uh, that they will inevitably face throughout their careers and to use it as basically a touchstone, something that you can go back to so that when you're confronted with an ethical dilemma, you have some professional guidance. Of course. And one of the first stepping stones of learning about this and trying to be prepared for these dilemmas and set the, really set the pace is when we're students learning about it, especially in PRSSA. Do you have any advice, or do you what, why should students learn about the code of ethics? Like, why? What are some ethical challenges we're seeing in the profession that maybe we could have learned about them earlier? Could we 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 could apply to it? Sure. Well, I think that students who are studying about the public relations field now, if they don't learn about ethics, they will eventually put their careers at risk because mm-hmm. we lose we are in the midst of a massive disruption of the professional uh, of the profession through digital and social media and as we mm-hmm. all know the media world moves at the speed of electrons 24/7 it never stops and information comes at you at this electron speed and you have to be able to know the basis for decision making so if you are put in a situation uh, let's say that somebody you're an intern out at an agency and somebody asks you to post a Yelp interview that's under a different name through an assumed Mm -hmm. persona, what are you Mm going to do? Is that an ethical act or is it unethical? What what do you do if you disagree with what you're being asked to do by an employer, Mm -hmm. by an internship sponsor? Those are really essential questions, and they're important because how you conduct yourself will at some point be, that'll be the basis for how you're judged as a professional. And did you contribute to something that you were willing to give full visibility to in your career? We're we're also living in a time where um, every person is potentially a content producer and distributor. And you can claim, for example, if you're United Airlines, that you're the friendly skies. But if another passenger posts a video of you dragging up a um, another passenger down the aisle to eject them from a plane, and that goes viral, mm-hmm. all of a sudden the friendly skies are not your brand anymore. And you have a significant mm-hmm. situation you've got to address. Are you prepared to be transparent yourself? Or if transparency is thrust upon you, have you conducted your work as a communications professional in a way that adds to your brand rather than detracts from it? Mm, yes. And we're seeing that today with viral content, privacy, rights, all of that. I think those are the, kind of the most interesting concepts, especially for students to learn as we're becoming more immersed in social media. And we're seeing how brands evolve with that. And, in fact, one of our most popular questions from our Twitter chat last year was, how can we use ethics to make sure we're both accurate and timely in such a fast-paced environment? Because now, I mean, even as interns, we're in a rush to make sure we get the news out there first and be the first to talk about things or release a statement. But 
sometimes that can compromise integrity. So, um, yeah, that's a really interesting point. And I was wondering if maybe you had any advice on how to balance that, the accuracy and timeliness and how to not compromise yourself in a digital world. You're absolutely right in that the time pressure is enormous uh, in the 21st century. And people of in various communications fields have to deal with it, whether you're a journalist who's on deadline or a public relations professional who's on deadline or an advertising professional who's trying to serve a client. Um, mm-hmm. Some of the best guidance that I can give you is to study the codes of ethics that are out there, and whichever one you adapt, whether it's the one from the Public Relations Society of America or the Society of Professional Journalists or, for example, the, Glo- the Global Alliance for Public Relations and Communications Management, um, mm-hmm. they, just, they just came out with a statement of international ethics um, just mm-hmm. last week, as a matter of fact. The important thing is to look into these codes and know them cold. In other words, you should know what the PRSA Code of Ethics holds out as important. What are the, what are the values that are in that code? And it's all available at prsa.org. And that code also gives you provisions of conduct, certain things like disclosure of information, the free flow of information, safeguarding confidences, conflicts of interest. These are all really important principles, and there's a body of knowledge behind all of them. There's an organization Mm -hmm. within PRSA called the Board of Ethics and Professional Standards, or BEPS. Uh, That's the acronym. And they publish ethical standards advisories on the PRSA uh, website. And if you go to those kinds of resources, you'll find that people have already studied and written on these things extensively to give you a sort of context that you can bring to whatever your position is within public relations and whatever your project is. And those things have been developed to provide you with the guidance. So the good news is you don't have to make this up. It has been established Mm -hmm. for you, and organizations such as the Global Alliance, uh, ECO, which is the International Communications Consultancy Organization, they they also uh, have adopted something called the Helsinki Declaration, which is a statement Mm -hmm. of, of, again, international ethical standards. um, That, by the way, PRSA is a signatory to that document as well, So all these resources are available and um, can help people, if they're schooled in them, to make accurate and timely decisions. Well, it sounds like we have a wealth of resources to refer to. I know some other resources that I look at is just, I mean, articles like you were talking about, thought leadership and seeing how professionals are kind of paving the way and kind of speaking out when we're seeing stuff. Um, So I was going to ask you, I know I read your face, your counsel to Facebook back in March, which offered some great advice on how to apply the PRSA code of ethics to that kind of dilemma. Now, do you have kind of like a personal favorite, or not favorite rather, but like a case study that you could recommend to students that would be one of the best to kind of look at in terms of applying the code of ethics, maybe a relatively recent one, um, especially like I talked about with digitalization and uh, time and integrity? Yes. Well, I, uh, you mentioned the, uh, the Facebook situation, which was from um, 
that involved a company which was a subcontractor uh, a pro, uh, a, uh, for Facebook called Cambridge Analytica. And I think mm-hmm. that is a really important case study because it involves, first of all, some fundamental principles of PRSA's code of ethics and how they were misapplied in this case. And also mm-hmm. it's very timely because it has to do with the world we live in, which is very socially media-driven um, mm-hmm. and driven by... By the way, not humans. A lot of it is driven by algorithms and bots. Um, so Very people true. are in this entirely new landscape and need to know how to effectively and ethically make decisions. And to use Cambridge Analytica as a uh, as an example, you know the uh, what got that organization in a great deal of trouble that eventually drove Cambridge Analytica out of business. By the way, was a simple personality test on Facebook. Mm -hmm. You would be looking at your Facebook feed and, and, uh, you know, how these things pop up in your feed or it might be an ad that's in the, uh, uh, you know, in the margins that says take a personality test. And so given the program that, um, that Cambridge Analytica had developed, you would go in and take that test and the program uh, done for Facebook would scrape your data and then sell that data to other people who want to influence you. Now, in a certain sense, that is Facebook's business model. You get to use mm-hmm. the Facebook platform for free because they take that data and they want to broker it to other organizations that have information. And at face value, there's nothing wrong with that. The big problem mm-hmm. with the scenario involving Cambridge Analytica was that the the program, let's say that you and I, Ashley, are friends on Facebook. Mm-hmm. It not only, if I took the personality test, it not only scraped my data, it also scraped yours. And you had no opportunity oh. to give permission for that. So okay. this idea of not being able to control your own privacy or your own data, and also the the very concept of not making clear the sources and sponsors of information is problematic from an ethical standpoint. So mm. that um, that was the issue there, and that's spelled out, you know, in the in the PRSA Code of Ethics, what, which is why you know uh, Cambridge Analytica came under immediate fire, as did Facebook. And one of the things that's important to realize about the social and digital media space is that it moves a lot faster than legislation can move. So people are out there doing these things before the laws governing various countries can catch up. And so it's kind of the Wild West, if you will. I I know that in Europe right now there's something called GDPR, Global Data Protection Regulations, that went into effect Mm -hmm. at the end of May. So I was in Europe recently, and if you go to websites, you will immediately be presented with sort of an electronic sign-off that you have to give before you can proceed to the website, that you understand the privacy regulations. And it's a little bit bulky, but Mm -hmm. it also makes you think about what you are agreeing to. Are you willing to give up a certain amount of privacy in order to realize a certain amount of information? And most ethical codes would tell you that having very clear visibility about that and being able to make a conscious choice is an ethical imperative. 
So then this is kind of a side question off of that. Do you think that, because we've all seen those agreement questions online, I agree to whatever, right. my email, all of that. Now, is, should they parse down their words or, like, make it more understandable or comprehensive? Or do you think there's an issue there at all, or do you think that's okay? Um, I know a lot of millennials, we, we all joke about not taking the time to sit down and read through things, but... I mean, it's an issue, and that you're talking about your yeah. privacy and what that entails. So I wonder if there's a possible call to action to make it, I don't know, I, I don't want to say understandable, but more visible or yes. to the front. More more practical, perhaps, would be the would be the adjective, because right now they're not practical. To be honest about this, I don't think anybody reads those things. I mean, not literally anybody, but certainly most people don't. They are, in fact, designed to be long and cumbersome, and people scroll through them and they hit accept. Either you're interested in the offer or you're not, and nobody reads, you know, um, figuratively speaking, nobody reads the fine print, okay? So I do think that's a problem. I do think to be practical and also to be transparent there should be a shorter and more convenient way to grant that permission. Mm -hmm. And maybe if there is a more universally uh, accepted set of standards, then then that sort of legalese that shows up in your feed can be streamlined so that you can really understand what you're agreeing to. I definitely agree with that, yes, making it more practical and convenient. I mean, going back to Facebook, we want to be transparent and open, and um, that poses the question. I've heard it a lot. Um, I actually sit on best, the Board of Ethical Practices and Standards, and I know a question that's come across the table and has just come across with students even is why doesn't PRSA punish um, either professionals, individuals, or, like, quote-unquote, excommunicate people? Why, why right. doesn't PRSA punish for violations of the Code of Ethics? Yes, um, it's a very good question, and I can tell you that PRSA, for the first few decades of its existence, it was founded in the late 1940s, it did punish. Um, mm-hmm. There was actually a review body that would do sort of es- um, investigations and come to decisions on whether somebody should be, for example, censured or have a membership suspended for a given amount of time or even have their memberships revoked. I can tell you that those were relatively rare occasions, uh, and many times if somebody was presented with an issue, let's say that somebody truly um, you know, made a terrible ethical mistake or broke the law, many times what they would do is simply quit PRSA, and at that point PRSA's jurisdiction would have ended. Right, so yep. you know that's how that's how those things sometimes took care of themselves. Um, the in the year two thousand, PRSA and the Board of Ethics of Professional Standards, after a great deal of study and thought, made the decision to move away from code enforcement to make really our our code as something that would be aspirational and educational. In other words, to publish the concepts, the standards, the thought leadership around really important and sometimes complex ethical questions. And instead of pointing fingers to people saying, oh, you didn't do that, 
it would be to point the way to the code of ethics. And that has mm. been, for the last 18 years, the role of the Board of Ethics and Professional Standards. So they, they point the way. Um, mm-hmm. There is, and this is something that the Board of Ethics and Professional Standards and PRSA and its Board of Directors and its Governance Committee are looking at right now about are there situations where for the good of PRSA as an organization, for its operations and for its brand, are there times that the society should, in fact, take action against members if they're acting in ways that are hurting the organization. So that's something that we're actually considering through a number of bylaw proposals that are going to come up before the leadership assembly at our, um, at, at our national assembly in October of this year. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the idea of being able to enforce standards is not a new one, um, but the, the, the question is how. What is the best way to do that? PRSA's mission is fundamentally to be a learning organization. We, we're there to enhance the body of knowledge in our field and to equip members um, to be the best prepared that they can be across all stages of their career and do, do that through learning, professional development, and networking. So that's our charge, and we want to be known for doing that. We don't want to be known for punishing people. But there may be times, by the way, where action, whether it's censure, suspension, or even revocation of membership, may be an important thing to do. So right now, um, there's a, a great deal of healthy debate happening on what would be the best way to make those sorts of changes. And the Board of Ethics yeah. and Professional Standards is saying our role is aspirational and educational, but there may be other ways that PRSA as an organization um, could enforce aspects not only of, of its code, but also of its bylaws and of, you know, the laws that we all have to follow as communications professionals. Of course, and those conversations have been very interesting to hear. I mean, even as a student, and I think as students, that's why we should pay attention to ethics, because this is the environment that we're coming into. We need to be prepared for um I mean, not just knowing it ourselves and practicing, but just knowing the society and how we kind of uh, try to lead and educate others. Um, yeah. And with that, do you have any last pieces of advice you could share with students about ethics, um, about the code of ethics, or just about yeah. joining the industry? Well, you know, we are a profession in public relations that is fundamentally concerned with reputation, with reputation management. And mm. I think that ethics uh, uh, are such a critical part of the constitution of the profession itself, of PRSA as a, a membership association, and of ourselves as working professionals. You know, we all have to ask ourselves, what do we want our lasting reputations to be? And I submit to you that part of that must be strong ethical foundation, strong ethical conduct, or eventually your reputation or your brand, if you'd like to think of it that way, will suffer. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I really think that ethics is job one for, for us in the profession. Um, 
and that there there are resources there that are there to help you and i i think it is just one of the one of the most important things that any student or new entrant into the professional or even a mid-career or senior level professional um, absolutely needs to stay in touch with because I think today, because there there are a lot of charlatans out there, there's a lot of fake news out there, there, there are mm-hmm. a lot of people trying to distort and mislead out there. As a result of that, I think that a strong ethics uh, uh, a strong ethical foundation and commitment to ethics, uh, together with civility and how we conduct ourselves as individuals and as organizations, I think that's a critical competitive advantage because you want to be known for those things. That will strengthen your reputation and your brand immeasurably. And I think that all the investment that you can make as a professional in understanding ethics so that you can make decisions accordingly will play will pay unbelievably favorable returns throughout every stage of your career so um, my uh, my fundamental piece of advice would be ethics first that'll help you figure out a lot of other things that are essential to your profession and your professional life as well wow I definitely agree I mean Knowing ethics, we talk about it, they're like knowing morals, and you've got to know yourself as an individual, especially before you enter the profession, because that's the work you're going to ultimately contribute and what you're putting out there. So I definitely agree with that. Um, is there anything else you'd like to add, share, anything fun, anything exciting um, in Austin that you're looking forward to? Yes. Um, well, I know we're all going to see you there. <laughs> yes, I look forward to that. Well, um, there are a few things. Yes, I look forward to ethics. Uh, there's going to be a panel discussion about civility um, that I'm participating in at at the international conference, along with um, uh, some other really, um, you know, well-known, well-respected professionals. Um, so I I would recommend that to you. I would also note that September is Ethics Month for PRSA. And the Board of Ethics and Professional Standards is going to be sponsoring various blog posts and webinars, uh, and that's another uh, outlet that people can can go to uh, to to uh, you know enhance their knowledge. And the I guess mm-hmm. the the closing thought that I would offer Ashley is that there's no finish line with ethics. You can never sort of say, okay, I've memorized the code of ethics, uh, I understand it, I get it, I'm done with my education. Um, you have to, you know, it's it, it's a matter of continuous refinement and learning, and there will always be new such situations and new factors that come into play because of such things as digital and social technologies and other technological advancements and other ethical dilemmas that can present themselves as a result of globalization. So um, it's exactly. uh, it, it's a challenge because. There's a lot to learn and keep learning, um, so it's not the, the, there's no finish line with ethics. You have to keep at it, and it's well worth it to do so. Exactly, that's something I always say. Just because Ethics Month in September is over doesn't mean we stop talking about it. Ethics Month is essentially every day, every month of the year. Um, but I want to thank you so much for taking this time. We're hoping that our students this September will learn how to be prepared, proactive, and proud. Uh, PRSSA members and uh, learn to make ethical decisions by learning the code of ethics and all the fun stuff that comes with it. 
But anyway, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to talk about this. I know I found it very interesting. Like I mentioned, the Facebook article, um, I know we see a bunch of articles and uh, stuff today, so hearing some thought leadership on it was really great. Thank you so much. You're welcome, and thank you for focusing on ethics. I really appreciate it.